On today's show, I was joined by the loveliest Vicky Campbell. Vicky is an Irish international dressage rider from County Down, who has represented Ireland at two European Championships. She has recently moved to Devon to base Diana Ross, and is currently competing her own Lottie Van Bergen at PSG, while aspiring to study veterinary medicine at college next year. In this conversation, we covered how a sports psychologist introduced her to a visualisation technique that she still uses today, her European experiences, and how lockdown helped her to discover her love for veterinary. I can't thank Vicky enough for this conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Inside Brain Podcast, and Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, I am so delighted to be joined by the wonderful Vicky Campbell. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, so you've been based over in Anna Ross's for a little while and you're home for the Christmas and I was lucky enough to nab you for a quick uh, podcast. So I guess I'll start at the start how I usually do with all my guests and tell us how you got into horses. Oh, okay. That's a good place to start, I guess. <laughs> um, well, my parents were both um, quite horsey. I'm quite lucky that they were they were into it too. and. So I was sort of, I didn't think I had much choice really to be on a pony as soon as I, I could walk. <laughs> um, so I I started with them and they got, got me on ponies. They took me to lessons, Lidri and that sort of thing. And um, I had sort of um, like show ponies, like Lidri and ponies. Uh, so I learned on them. And I remember being down in our arena and we were talking about this the other day, actually. And my dad would be like trotting around on his horse and I was cantering behind him. <laughs> That's oh, that's so cute. Yeah. So they, they were really involved, which was really nice. Um and yeah, I'm, I started mostly on show ponies and and, and doing um showing and stuff. And then um I guess pony club was a big thing. Um I was part of the IBE pony club and that's a great place to start. And <laughs> I popped a shout out uh, Van Campbell because she was amazing. Uh, and she gets you involved in everything like I did pony games I did jumping cross country uh, I didn't even think of dressage back then um so that was a really good thing to do and I did like the pony club championships and pony camp um so yeah that was really good and and you get to meet kids because riding at home was great but it was just just me so po- pony and um, pony club was really good and then when I think I was about 13, I think, I got a pony called Dennis. And he we bought him just as an all-round pony. And he was really cool. But um, we had this thing at events where we would do really well in the dressage. So we'd be sitting on like like 20 scores, like low 20s. And then we'd go cross country and he would butt me off. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time. And I used to come home like, like, oh, it'll be better next time. And he bumped me off again. And um, there was this one time we were at the the area championships in um, the Meadows. And they they did the dressage qualifiers and the show jumping on the same day. And I think I did my show jumping round first and I fell off in the warm up. So I had like really dirty jaws and I didn't bring clean ones. And so then I just had to do my dressage test and my dirty jaws. And that was fine. And I come up to get my rosette and the woman in the office was like oh did you fall off and I was like yeah and she's like don't worry 
it could be worse. There was a wee girl that fell off in the show jumping and the dressage. I was like, yeah, that was me. I fell off in both. (laughs) (laughs) I was not realising what she was saying. I was the kid that she was talking about. Um, So I think um, he he definitely got me into dressage because I sort of caught the middle bit. I was like, right, what are we good at? What are we getting the rosettes in? And it was dressage. So... um, so I was having lessons with a guy called Michael Boyd at the time, who's quite local. And um, he got me into like registered dressage. And I did I did nationals at prelim. I remember doing nationals at prelim. That was really fun. And um, I got to the point where I was getting a bit big for Dennis. And he said, you know, he sort of talked to us and what were my goals? And I said, oh, well, I want to I want to keep doing this. I want to get better at it. He's like, OK, well, um, you need a bigger pony basically so he introduced me to his trainer who is carolyn meller um so i remember meeting carolyn at Dianscroft, and so she's like well what do you want to do and i was like, well i think i want to do like dressage <laughs> she was like right okay well we need to get you a pony like a, a 14-2 um like proper dressage pony and i was like oh okay like that sounds fun so <laughs> off we went on a trip to find ponies and we must have tried uh, I don't know, 15, 15 ponies. And on, on like the, our list of like, what was ideal, it was like, no greys, no mares, like an experienced pony that knew what it was doing. And we came back with a six-year-old grey mare that knew nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so neither of us had a clue what we were doing. Um, but yeah, she was great. So that's when Bali, um, Bali came to the to the house or be my snowflake as people might know her and so yeah I just started I did novice elementary on her to begin with and again at what was it, Connell Hill I got eliminated three times because <laughs> I left the arena three times <laughs> and that was my very first test on her <laughs> so that was fun um yeah and that, that's where my dressage started I guess but with Bali or well with Dennis to begin with but mostly Bali <laughs> yeah lovely I love how um you were very um I suppose you had varied you were interested in varied disciplines from an early age that you didn't specialize I suppose too early that you you know you gave your shot at you know the the pony games like they're always so much fun and you know like the combine training and everything involved in pony club because it is as much of a social aspect when you're that age as well as well as having as well as having the, the competition side. And I guess, you know, showing and dressage kind of go a little bit hand in hand together, you know. So did you find that when in your showing days that kind of helped your dressage days then as well? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I wasn't, we, people talk about like Charlotte Dujardin starting on, on show ponies and they were like immaculate and so well behaved. Mine were not. Like I had the cheekiest show ponies ever. Um, I was always the one like ragging, ragging around to the warm up, like trying to get on the bed or like walking the course. And I'm not going to get to that fence because I'm going to fall off at that fence. <laughs> so it, it wasn't it wasn't as um as elegant as it should have been. But but yeah, I think I think it did. It did help me or inspire me to to end up doing dressage in the end. Love it, love it. So, be my snowflake. Then you went to the Europeans with her, didn't you? In twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was twenty fifteen when I met Carolyn, and she said, "Okay, what do you want to do?" And at the time, 
it was um, the pony team had just done Mill Street for the first time. So we had Linnea and Alana and Katie Burns. And yeah, they were the first dressage team. So it was kind of a big thing, the pony Europeans. And I said, oh, I want to I do that. Like just, you know, of course I did. <laughs> Maybe in a kid, he's like, I want to do that now. <laughs> so she's like, okay. So yeah. I aimed, that was the whole, the whole way, the minute I bought Bali, that was the goal, was the Europeans in 2017. Um, which was quite good because every every day I got on, that was the the goal in my head was two years down the line we're going to do that. Um, so we had to start from the very very bottom. Like I had to do the novice, the elementary, then learn how to do half pass, teach then teach the pony how to do half pass because the pony had no idea. Um, so it, it was really fun that we got to do it that way instead of me getting on a pony that knew everything and me having to figure it out. Um, so yeah, we had the Europeans in mind and then sort of worked towards that tiny step by tiny step, which was, it wasn't just like a short thing, be like, ah, like this is our goal and we got to get it now. It was quite a long term yeah. thing. Yeah, and even like what, what strikes me there when, so how old would you have been then when you got Valley? I was 14. 14, so like, you know that's still quite a young age and it seems to me that you were so I suppose you know you were so driven to what you wanted and would you say that you are you I suppose you're very set on your goals you know I, I like from a young age I remember if I look back when I was 14 you know I had I never had any goal setting skills or anything like that so I suppose what helped you um, implement those goal setting techniques that allowed you to then work towards going to the Europeans? Well I think I think when I was younger I was really naive so I just thought oh I want to do that like that's how, how, how hard could it be you know it's just the Europeans it's gonna be fine it's just a test um, so I think yeah that helped me being me, me being so young and it, it was like a dream and I was like yeah it's gonna happen like, I'm gonna do it but um my parents were like, okay, so she's pretty serious about this. And they were really supportive with me. So they, they sat me down and like, okay, if we want to do this, this is what we have to do. do you, is that something you want to do? Do you find this fun? And the whole way along, they made sure that I was finding it fun, that it was never, never um, stressful or, or that they, it was for them. It was never that way at all. Um, like I, I remember dragging my dad out in the morning to ride before school and um like pe people ask me you know oh does your dad make you get up early and I was like no like I'm I'm at him waking him up at five being like let's go <laughs> when it's like snowing outside um so yeah it was always I had to do it myself like I had to put the pressure on myself or or do the work because I wanted to not because someone else was making me do it so that yeah. that was really good that they, they put that in me so early wow that's like that's really inspiring even hearing it and I think the most important thing there was that they made sure that you were having fun because I can imagine you know even as we get older I suppose we forget sometimes to remember to have fun with the horses because you know you look back when you're younger and you you know out with the pony like especially around this time of year you know Christmas had just gone by you know putting reindeer antlers on your pony or whatever it may be it's the fun element of it I want to hear that your parents always made sure that you were having fun with it as well like that 
that there was no external pressure and stress on you. Yeah. And um, obviously at the time of the, the year of the Europeans, I was doing my GCSEs as well. And um, I don't live very local to Carolyn. And at the time I was training with her, and I live like an hour and a bit away. Um, so I had to leave school already a couple of times a week to, to go and have lessons, especially in the winter when it's dark. And some of my teachers were a bit upset mm-hmm. about it because I wasn't there. And I remember in my parent-teacher meeting, um, my my French teacher said that I was going to get a C. And, like, a C is not bad, but when I heard this, I was like, excuse me? Like, don't, don't say that just because I'm not there, just because you're not teaching me. So me and my mum, bless her, I remember going down to training with Anne-Marie, and my mum had these, like, booklets of words in French, and she had no clue what they meant. But she would just sit with me and, like, teach me and and recite them with me and she, she had no idea what, what I was saying but she she was making sure that I was going to get going to get a good grade and, and I did um, so yeah they always made sure that I wasn't sacrificing something else for it I wanted to do both yeah. and I, I always wanted to do to be you know good at school and and have the horses so that was, that was good lovely so kind of talking through then the Europeans when you went with um when you went with Be My Snowflake what was kind of like your first impressions and I suppose getting the call to say that you're going to the Europeans you know what did it feel like and then arriving you know I suppose you had reached your goal how did it feel at that time? Um, I think I was quite chilled well I say I was quite chilled but I cried like I will only say I cried and um at the time there was only four of us that had qualified for the Europeans and there's only four in a team so I knew I was going but still when the email came through from Amory I cried I was like I've done it and yeah my dad gave me a pat on the back and said that he was really proud of me and that was really really nice um so I still remember the day like being told that I was going to go because it, it was such a big thing for me and I'd worked for it for for so long um, so that was really nice and I was going with um, the girls that I rode with were I was really close with and and I'd worked hard with them and I, I watched them train as well for so long and so it was really nice for us all to get in the end. Lovely lovely so how did you get on then where, where was it? It was in Hungary. Oh Hungary. Yeah wow. so it took, <laughs> only took five days to get there oh my yeah. god yeah it was really far away and um I I'm um, qualifying I hadn't I had only gone to Kiso CDI which is in in Bedford so it was quite quite small and had um obviously the British kids there but not very many um from overseas so when getting to Hungary I was like oh <laughs> like I've seen these ponies on Instagram but I haven't seen them in real life and I was able to like point at people and be like mom mom that's that's so and so and they've got so many medals and that pony costs so much money and my dad's like oh that's lovely <laughs> um, but it was amazing to see like see the kids that I'd been watching on on social media and and aiming to be like them in a couple of years and obviously the ponies are the show jumping the event and the dressage are all in one place so I got to meet some like the of the Irish show jumpers that were there at the time and I remember um being quite friendly with Kate Derwin and they ended up winning the pony gold and she won an individual silver that year and um, I remember sitting on the bench watching dressage with her 
and after she had won her medal I had and she said that's so hard I couldn't do that like how do you do what you do and I was like you how do you do what you do like these jumps are massive we were both having a conversation about how difficult both our disciplines were (laughs) so that was really nice and and I would never have met Kate if it wasn't for the Europeans um so yeah you you get to make friends that you would never make otherwise which was really really nice yeah. Oh, it sounds like such, I suppose, like, you know, a, like a life-changing experience like that. You got to experience not only what it was like at the Europeans, at the dressage rider, what you do, but also the show jumping and the eventing and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um. So kind of moving on then, Um. what would be, I suppose, I, pro- I probably know the answer to this question, but what would be your proudest competition moment today? Oh, I don't know if I know that. <laughs> um, I think, what am I most, uh, there's a few. I, I'm, I'm really proud that I got to go to the Europeans on Holly this year because that, that was amazing. And it wasn't something, unlike the, the Europeans before, it wasn't something that I had thought of years before because I didn't have a horse ready at the time. And my horse that I currently have wasn't, wasn't ready. And so it wasn't it wasn't something on my on my plan for the year at all. Um, so I guess yeah, getting there was was incredible. And and yeah, and also competing my own horse this year um, at PSG because I've never trained a horse to PSG, and it was quite nice to finally get it there <laughs> and put my tail coat on oh. on a horse that, that I spent so many days falling off. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. Yeah. So you mentioned Holly. So after your GCSEs, then did you decide to kind of pursue your dressage career by basing yourself at a yard? Was it always your plan to go over to a yard, and then you finally met Anna? Uh, yeah. So after after my GCSEs, I said, "Oh, I want to leave school." And my my mom and dad were like, "No, that's not that's not okay. <laughs> you know, you do your A levels, and then you can then you can leave school." So I was like, "Okay." So I did my A levels. That was fine. And I applied to uni. I got into Queens in Belfast, and I said, "Okay, well, I'll take a year out because I don't, I don't really know what I want to do yet." So I took a year out, and I went. To, I spent five five months in Thailand um, with Pammy, and then I came home for the COVID, the lockdown, um, which was really, really hard. <laughs> um, so I came home for that, and while I was at home, I, I sort of had time to think. You know, what do I, what do I want to do? who do I want to be what where do I want to be in five ten years time and so the day Boris locked down I had contacted Anna and and had organized an interview and so I got to see Anna for my interview it was like March I think it was March 19th or something and then that day Boris was like everything is shut down so I was really lucky to get to see Anna in the first place which was yeah I was really lucky so I saw her and she said yes like whenever things open up you can you can come like gladly so I was like okay so I waited for Boris to open everything up and then he didn't and I was like oh it's gonna be like two weeks three weeks and then I waited a couple more weeks and I kept messaging Anna being like I still want to come I promise but um and she was like that's fine like when things open up just let me know so as soon I think it was as soon as I could get a flight there I was I was on it I was like okay let's be done so yeah so then I ended up at Anna's 
Lovely, lovely. And you mentioned there that you got to ride Hollywood European. So kind of how soon after you landed at Anna did you realise then, OK, this is in the pipeline, this is what I'm going to be working towards? Oh, I had, so I started at Anna's in June 2020. And okay. uh, I brought my horse with me and that was great. And um, I was, yeah, riding some of the young horses and and competing Audi in advanced medium at the time. Oh, Audi's my horse, by the way. <laughs> and <laughs> um, yeah, and that was great. But it wasn't until Christmas last year that uh, Audi had to have time off. He had injured himself. And Anna was like, you know, it's fine. You know, we'll bring him back slowly. We'll do it right. And, and he'll be fine for next season. I was like, okay, that's fine. Look, we'll do that. So it, it was okay because I had so many horses to ride that I, di- I didn't, not that I didn't miss him, but I had plenty to, to be working with to keep me distracted. And it was March time of this year that he was just coming back into work. So he'd quite, he had quite a long time off. And Anna says, um, I think it was in the morning before we started work, Anna um, like took me aside and said, um, Beth has got an idea, um, a, a proposal. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she's like, it's nothing set in stone, but um, you might get to ride Holly at some shows. And if you qualify for Wellington CDI, um Beth's happy for you to do that and I was like oh okay <laughs> and then she's like just because just why Audi's off um and so I was like oh okay so I remember texting my dad and I was like I have some really exciting news but I can't tell you now and he's like tell me what is it tell me I was like no I can't tell you now I'll tell you when I get home <laughs> so I made the poor man wait all day to hear the, the good news oh <laughs> and um yeah and so I, I got to to ride Holly um like briefly a couple of uh, times a week and she taught me a lot <laughs> like Holly isn't the sort of horse that you get on and have a, a joy ride on if you don't know what you're doing Holly will soon let people know that you have no idea what you're doing <laughs> so, so I got on and I was like oh like Beth and Anna make this look so easy why am I not making it look so easy and <laughs> um, so yeah I quickly had to to find the buttons and the gears which which was really 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 fun yeah oh love it love it like she looked like so much fun and like that you know even you make made her look so easy with the videos when you went to the Europeans and stuff like that and I suppose what was it like competing her then under Anna and Beth you know like did did you ever kind of did you ever kind of think wow like how how is this happening to me or do you know how how were you feeling around that time yeah um I guess I did feel some sort of pressure because obviously lots of people, especially around our local area, know who Anna and who Holly is. And she's great. So she's very easily to to pick out of a crowd. So when we went to local shows, people knew instantly who she was. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like what if I mess this up? <laughs> Everybody knows who the horse is. And so there, there was pressure in that in that aspect, but the the feeling of her under you was incredible but I've never ridden a horse like it and um I watch a lot of Formula One I'm quite quite an F1 fan and I think the closest thing to an F1 car I've got to is is riding Holly (laughs) I love that (laughs) yeah so many years and so so much power it's incredible Yeah. yeah 
Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, yeah, so you went to the European with her in Spain, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it was really, really hot. <laughs> really? So how how did you manage that, I suppose, like that, you know, going from England, the English climate, then over to Spain, you know, with that kind of another level of, yeah, I suppose, another level that you had to deal with on top of competing with the Europeans. You had been to the Europeans before, you kind of knew the layout, you knew the run of it and stuff, but did you kind of have another layer of, right, I have to deal with this extra thing with the heat, you know what I mean? I know it seems so small, you know, dealing with the heat, but I suppose the intensity of it is just so much different over there. Yeah, um, I guess Anna knew, Anna knows Holly inside and out, and she knew that having the most the best preparation for Holly was to get out to Spain as soon as we could so and give her a good time to acclimatize the things and the heat there was so many flies so the flies were a big thing that we had to get used to and and for me like riding in the heat is not something that unfortunately that I get to do a lot (laughs) um yeah so we ended up going I think it was like 10 days before before trot up um, which was really good, and we had a we were stabled at a yard just down the road from from the showgrounds. So that was that was a really big part of it was um, getting out there so early. But it was it was still hot, and the whole the whole time beforehand, Anna was like, "Oh, we'll ride in the morning, and then we'll ride in the middle of the day sometimes. But most likely, you'll be riding. They'll they'll put the times in the morning so that the, these kids aren't riding." in like 36 degrees heat and I was like okay so most of the time we rode like seven eight in the mornings and then um walked her through the day so that we weren't training in in the peak heat and when they drew the times I was at like midday every day and it was oh oh, yeah and I remember the first day the first test I put my my jacket on and um, we, we talked about it before, do I want to warm up without my jacket and then put it on just before I go in or do I want to train in my jacket? And I said, oh, I want to train in my jacket because I don't want the, to be flustered trying to put it on. And Anna's like, don't be silly. You will pass out within 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, like whatever you say, <laughs> I'll do whatever you tell me. <laughs> so I did. And um, Tom Hobden, the team, the team GB chef to keep, um, he, we were good friends with them when we when we went over, and he was warning me, you know, do um, make sure you have extra platen bands because your platen bands will melt, and and don't have uh, like your pre-test snacks. Don't have chocolate because it'll melt. And I was like, I didn't think of all of this. Yeah, and my the thread on my jackets went all tacky, so my buttons on my jacket were falling off because it was so hot. So there were just like little things that I didn't think would would affect me but they did <laughs> because of the heat wow the biggest the biggest one there is the platen bands will melt I yeah just feels like you just don't have that kind of problem here yeah. and with the the sweat in the mains they'll go they'll they'll go slippy and the the bands will pop out and I was like oh I didn't think of all of this like <laughs> I was wow. just remember my test <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of, you know, now looking back on it, I imagine for you, the, those are little things that had you not gone there, you wouldn't have picked up and you wouldn't have realised, you know. Yeah, and you think you know things until you go to shows like these and then they're on another level. There are just tiny details that you need to be thinking about. 
um and that was yeah it was really nice to be um they, they were really welcoming and, and they took me into their camp them the young rider team gb team and that was really nice because obviously i was there on my own i i didn't really have any support team i had anna and my parents um but i we didn't have a to keep or a team as such so that was really nice um that count me down and stuff because i had the girls to talk to and i'd seen them at, at competitions as well and so i was quite friendly with them so that was really a really nice part of it too Lovely, lovely. So I suppose now that you're um, back home, you're going to be going back to Anna's. And But kind of before we got recording, you had mentioned to me that you're hoping to go back to uni in September. Yes, yeah. So at the minute, uh, I am studying in college. So I'm doing my A-levels again. Nice. I thought they were paying first time and they're even more painful the second time um, <laughs> so yeah I'm, I've gone back to do biology and chemistry and with the hopes of yeah applying to veterinary school lovely lovely so had you always kind of had that interest then I suppose outside of dress ads and outside of competing have you always had that interest in becoming a vet or with that kind of a recent development I think the it really developed during the first big lockdown. Obviously, I didn't have a lot to do with my time. I had one horse, so I would muck out, ride first thing in the morning, and then the rest of the day I was kind of, what do I do? And my parents um, were still working because they were key workers, so I was left in the house a lot of the time just figuring out things to do. And I ended up coming across the FEI campus website, so they do, like, free courses on like confirmation and all the biological systems of the horse the respiratory system skeletal system so I came across that and I thought like, oh you know that that'll keep me busy um so I was doing it just just a pastime while watching Game of Thrones on the side because I was addicted to that as well <laughs> and yeah and it got me really interested and I just kept doing I would start a course finish a course then start a new one then finish that one and I ended up yeah um reading a lot about things that I'd never thought of, which I should have because it's a large part of the sport and it's probably a part that not a lot of us think about. Um, and then especially when, it, like, we, horses have a lot of injuries and I don't think <laughs> I'd really thought about what the injury actually was, how could I have prevented it, what was actually going on. I just sort of listened to what I had to do, how long it was going to be, and and that was sort of it so I think yeah being being a bit more aware of of that sort of inspired me and I wanted to know a bit more why was it happening how do you prevent it how common is it um and yeah I think being when I once I was at Anna's I saw like top sport horses and it's not just about riding it's not the training that's the be all and end all you know we have to look after these horses we have to keep them going it's like any athlete as well yeah it's any athlete you know um so yeah that got me really into it and then I I just started shadowing our vets really and pestering them and asking them please can I come out when on my day off and they're like fine <laughs> if you don't talk too much and I was like okay I won't talk too much <laughs> um <laughs> yeah and then I I spoke to my mom and my dad and I said I think this is something I really want to do 
they're like, okay, well, you're going to have to, you know, go back to school. Are you going to still ride? You know, what, what, what do you think is going to work best for you? And it was a bit different because obviously they weren't, they weren't there to help me with anything, um, which is not something that I'm, I'm quite used to. So I, th- I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. So I applied to the college in Exeter and here I am. So I do that. Lovely. Yeah, I'm doing that part um, full time now and trying to ride on the side, which is really hard. I love how um, I love how proactive you were during lockdown, you know, because all of us had so much free time. And uh, I didn't even know that FBI campus thing existed. Like, you know, yeah. Um, but the absolute uh, best of luck. And, you know, it, it's going to be such an exciting time. I guess on the podcast, I've had um, a vet already and I have a couple more vet episodes coming up. So I think, you know, it, it's just when you kind of look into it a bit more, you create more awareness and then, you know, you can then you can therefore then you know have that all-round aspect of the training and then the management side of it as well because like you said it's not just the training and the riding it's the management of top level horses as well yeah or um like when I couldn't go out with the vet I went with the farrier for a day and even just knowing the basics of of what a farrier does and and the importance and you know he would say to me he would talk to me about the shoes and why he was using these shoes and and I was thinking, I never think of this. Like I just hold the horse until he's got the shoes on, and then, and then that's it. Like, why don't I know? I should know this. This is part of what I do every single day. Um, so yeah, I felt that I needed to know a bit more. I love that. So moving on, then you know, having had a very you know intense competition career and. I suppose yeah, had dabbled in different disciplines. Have you ever had any challenges that you've had to overcome that's kind of shaped you into the rider you are today? Yes, <laughs> lots. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever had a smooth sailing journey when, when it involves horses at all. Um, I think the, the biggest things were um, that my pony be my snowflake uh, after the Europeans. Um, she ended up breaking her pelvis and yeah and it was always you know I always intended on doing the Europeans fighting another young Irish kid that hadn't got a pony that had the same with had the same dreams that I had and and to see them do do it again with her and that was always the plan and it didn't end up that way I had to put her down and it was it was probably that was probably the worst day of my life um I remember she had to be um she had to be in like a in a box so that she couldn't move and I spoke to my vet and he said you know this this might work this might not we just have to to see and she was quite stubborn being a mare and she she just wouldn't stand in the in the box and he, he said you know this isn't this isn't working really I don't I don't really know what else we can do and I said well you know if she doesn't want it that's that's fine like let's it's not gonna work um let's just do what what we think is is best and so we had to put her down which was awful and as a kid like I do not wish anything like that on a kid ever um so that was pretty brutal and then the horse that I had after Bali um 
Ziggy, I actually um, had off Carolyn. Um, so he was my junior horse and I did a couple of advanced mediums on him. And then I, he broke down. So he had a suspensory ligament injury. Um, and they, they are, they really waking you up to rehabilitation. It's a long, long process. And for, for a girl that's what, 16, 17, I just wanted, I just wanted to go. I didn't understand why you had to stand in the box for six months. So that was really, really frustrating. And, and especially when you only have the one, you know, I had, at, at the time I had Bally, Ziggy, and then Otty as a young horse. And within three months, Bally had been put down and Ziggy had been um, put on box rest. So I was kind of thinking, I've gone from three lovely horses to having a four-year-old that I can't ride because I don't know how to ride a four-year-old. Um, so I we kind of discovered that Ziggy wasn't going to come back. So I, I decided, oh, well, I'll ride Audie then. And my dad was like, OK, that's that's great. And it was not a great idea. Like, we, we, we were not suited for each other at the time and I remember Karen saying to me one day like maybe maybe you just aren't suited for each other you know maybe that's just it maybe maybe you it's just not meant to be and I thought well <laughs> I can't have no horse so I stuck at it and I, I am really glad like I go to bed some days and think thank god I stuck at it because mm. because we yeah we've done it now we've, we've done our first PSG and there were nights that I thought I'm never going to get a prelim or a novice or trot on the bed. Like I did. <laughs> I was dreaming dreams <laughs> many times. So yeah, to get, to get to where we are now was, it was really, really worth all the pain and the suffering that we went through. Yeah. Like that's such an amount, like a large amount of heartache. And like you say, for such, for how young you were, you know and I guess with how the relationship with you and Adi started you know and people were kind of saying maybe you're not suited for each other what made you push through I suppose you know the opinions of others and what made you kind of say right no I, I'm going to push through because we all have those moments with horses where you know we kind of clash or there's a little bit of conflict one thing you know they want one thing we want another and it takes a long time to build a partnership with a horse. You know, it's not it's not always love at first sight. You have to get to know them, like you were saying. With Holly, you have to get to know her gears and her buttons and stuff. So what was it that you persevered with Ossie to now, you know, you've done your PSD with him and it, it reaps the reward? Um, well, I think initially it was I had no other choice. I didn't have another horse. We, I didn't have the time or the money to buy another one um, so I just had to deal with what I had but the more the more that I did with him the more I realized like there is something in here like it is going to be worth it you know you have good days and it might have been like one in 600 um, good to bad but the one good day was worth it because I thought holy moly this is really good <laughs> and like I knew he wasn't I knew he wasn't a bad horse like I knew we were, we just didn't understand each other and he finds learning new things really difficult and I was quite um, impatient with that and I think he's made me realize that you know you have to be you have to be patient in this game um, not every horse is the same and 
And I think riding Audi is like riding six, six horses. You know, one day I get one horse and the next day I get another and you don't, you don't know why and you're never going to know why. You just have to learn how to ride each one every day and, and get on with it. And when you do, then, then he's great because you know, I know him inside and out because I've seen every angle of him <laughs> I can possibly see. And yeah, and it's been so worth it. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so like, that is so inspiring. And, you know, I suppose in a way that you had no other choice, sometimes like, you know, when we have too much choice, we're probably not inclined to like that, you know, push through and find, like you say, find out every angle of him. But now you can say, yet you know every angle of him and I suppose yeah for you to be proud of yourself that you persevered because you know like it's it's kind of maybe in this day and age you know just horses are kind of there's a lot of horses around you know you can kind of just pick up horses so quickly now and get rid of them so quickly you know that maybe maybe the work ethic maybe wasn't what it used to be before you know so I guess it's great to still hear that no you wanted to get to the bottom of him yeah and I think like definitely now with like people my age there's more people getting experienced horses with you know Grand Prix horses at junior level and like fair play to them why why wouldn't you you know if I could afford an Olympic Grand Prix horse I would um but if you can't you just have to look at what you have and and do your best with it you know have fun and, and try. But I think you come out a better rider at the end of it if you do have to work from the start. You know, I think I think you do have to. I think you do come out a better rider if you do. And like that, fair play to them if they can afford it. Fantastic. But I think there's a level of horsemanship that you gain and sportsmanship that you gain if you do it from the very start and go through those little road bumps. Yeah, and I think there's two different skill sets with with it. You know riding a, a horse that has been produced for you is is a skill in its own I know like riding yeah. Holly like learning Tembi changes on a horse that knew them before me was really hard because I I was asking for things and she was thinking what and like there was something <laughs> I was asking for extended canter and she would just stop and pee ass and I was like what like oh and Anna's like you're you're not asking for the right thing like if you were yeah. asking extended canter you'd be getting extended canter and so it is it is another another ball game but but yeah riding riding horses that haven't been set up it really it really teaches you to be to be patient yeah love that love that um and then kind of uh, within the um competition world then have you ever kind of had to work on your mindset throughout the years you know would you have ever gotten nervous or you know in terms of like keeping motivated would you ever had to have you ever had to deal with any of those kind of things uh yeah yeah definitely I think well to begin with no to, to begin with when I was you know on the on the lead up to the Pony Europeans I, I never really got nervous until the Pony Europeans and then I think I was a little bit out of my depth and I had never seen anything like that before and I don't tell many people, but I forgot my test at the Europeans. Yeah, and it's a test that I've ridden, the same test for two years straight that I could ride it backwards. I could probably still ride it now. And I forgot it on the day, the team test. And I remember coming out and I couldn't even speak. I didn't know, everyone was you know, saying, you know, it's fine, it's all right. You know, like, this is a big thing. I, I just couldn't say anything. My face was blank. 
and I rode the whole way back to the stables and I unpacked and I couldn't say anything I was in such shock that I had forgotten a test I know like the the outside of my hand um and after that I went through a phase of forgetting my test so nearly every other show I went to I was forgetting like little things like do you hold at the start do you hold a G or do you hold an X and my parents were getting so frustrated at me because I do a lovely test and then forget where I halted and there was two marks gone so yeah I went through a a weird phase of forgetting my test and I I got a help from a sports psychologist and he wasn't horsey at all he was a rugby a rugby man and so trying to explain to him my problem I was like so I keep forgetting where to halt and he was like and what, what exactly is that? <laughs> and I was like, stop it. <laughs> he was like, right. Um, but it, it really helped. And he taught me a lot about like visual visualization and yeah. um, like knowing the arena. And so before, like I went to shows that I'd never been to, he would teach me to look up like Google images or Google maps and find the venue and make myself really familiar with it before I even got there. So I sort of felt like I'd already been there when I was doing a competition there. It, it was really good. Yeah. And like, even like where the toilets are, where the cafe is, what, what, where the arena went, you know, where was A and where was C. So that was, that was really good. And it was something that I'd never really thought about. You know, I won't, I would do the test in the arena when I get there, but not, not in the lead up to a show. So yeah, that was really good. And I, it's something I still do now especially especially over in England when we do shows that I've never been to I'll I'll google it and you know you can see everything on the internet now you can pe- you can see people ride yeah. tests in the arena um <laughs> yeah so that was a really big thing that that helped me with that with my nerves yeah yeah wow that's and visualization you know I I guess it's something I'm so interested in as well and even just a simple little task of looking up the venue I suppose like that familiarization so then you can kind of literally visualize where you're going to be doing your test and then you can remember your test then as well it's 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 so nice to hear you talk about that and even throughout our conversation I appreciate you being open and vulnerable about these things and like you say you had you hadn't told anybody that you forgot your test but you were so proactive and that you did something about it then afterwards you know yeah and I think, um, yeah, it's taken a while for me to be able to tell, tell people. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I went to the Europeans. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, yeah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> but it happens. I, I can't, I can't. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's only human. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was such a big thing for me at the time. And I, I was just so overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I really, I really appreciate that. And, you know, I guess like the part of the podcast is, you know, I suppose, um, relatability that, you know, people forget tests, people have bad days, people, you know, and, and not only forget tests at the little shows, but forget tests at the Europeans as well. But, you know, you, you've lived to tell the, tell the tale and you've since gone back to another Europeans again, you know what I mean? And it's great that that what you worked on in terms of looking up the images that you still use that today do you know what I mean um so kind of moving on now towards finishing up who is a writer that you look up to the most and why 
Um, oh, I don't. I'm gonna be so basic in my answer because <laughs> I remember Alex talking about it when she did the podcast, and and she had like really cool answers. But um, I don't know. Obviously, like Anna, Beth, Alex, all the girls on the yard are they inspire me because it's not easy. And, and so many people, you know, they come to the yard and they say, oh, like, it's heaven, you know, horsey heaven. And it's like, yeah, it is. But these girls work hard and, and they get to go to nice places because they work really hard. Um, yeah, so the, they inspired me a lot when I was when I was working at Anna's. But um, on a on a big scale, maybe maybe Catherine Dufour has to be. <laughs> yeah. She's been mentioned a few times, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But yeah, I love her Instagram and I love the fact that she's had Cassidy for so long. She's had Cassidy since she was in, in juniors and young riders. I think that's that's really cool. It's a lovely story. Yeah. And so long term and short term goals for Vicky Campbell Dressage. Oh, uh, short term goals, I would like to ride. I would like to compete on my own Aussie at International Small Tour hopefully in 2021, um, as well as hopefully getting um, a place in, in a veterinary school, whichever one may like me. I don't mind. I'm not picky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> long term, obviously, graduate. Um, I don't know exactly what sort of veterinary people, you know, assume because I've worked in horses my whole life that I'm going to be an equine vet. But the more I look into it, the more I think, hmm, maybe, maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to be a farm vet. Maybe I want to do small animals. So I'm not really sure. Um, at the minute, it is um, leaning towards equine veterinary, but I'm not sure. I'll keep my, my options open. And yeah, I, want, I would really, really like to compete already at Grand Prix because I've, I've done the on the lunge bit, getting bolted with on the lunge. I've done the, the novice, the elementary, the medium. Um, so it would be really nice to to finish it at at Grand Prix because um, I know we can do it. <laughs> I've got faith in him now. Um, so that would be that oh. would be, and it would be yeah, it would be my first and his first, which would which would be really special. So that would be a long. That would be a lovely story. Yeah, I think I cried that day too. <laughs> oh, love that. Well, I like. <clears throat> I know we've known each other from, you know, briefly through during competitions, but even me kind of coming away from this conversation, I'm so like inspired by you. You know, I, I really love how proactive you are. And even when we were talking about the goal setting, when you wanted to go to the European, you know, like how you broke it down into little steps. And yeah, I really appreciate your honesty and your openness in this conversation. And I know that the listeners will definitely go away feeling inspired. So just to finish off on a few quick fire questions. Yes. What is the yes. best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Oh, um, I think it's, uh, it's actually a Formula One quote by um, Toto Wolf. And he says that persistency gets you there and consistency keeps you there. So I think that's a pretty good one. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because it, it takes a lot to get but equally, it takes a lot to, to stay there, to stay where yeah, you want to be. Yeah. yeah. I actually remember seeing that on the Formula One program, and it is just, it just hits the spot, doesn't it? Yeah. Toto knows best. <laughs> <laughs> and what does success mean to you? Uh, 
I don't know. Success to me is getting where I want to be. Um, if I set a goal, I want to I want to get there. And if it's not as big as someone else's goal, that's fine by me because we've got different journeys and that's fine. Um, so I guess, yeah, if I've got somewhere I want to be, getting that would be success. But getting there with a smile on my face is, is also another thing. Um, I don't want to put too much pressure on myself and end up unhappy because when you get to the final destination and you've you finally succeeded it doesn't feel quite the same when you haven't had fun doing it um so yeah doing something and having fun while doing it is is a big thing wow I love that your most embarrassing moment you've ever had with horses <sighs> oh I've had a lot <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I well at the Europeans in Alivanova uh I got to the warm-up and Anna had my earpiece on and I got there with no curd chain. I had no curd chain on my bridle. And Anna was obviously trying to keep me like like calm and she was like, it's fine, we'll just go, I'll just run to the tack shop and I'll get you one. So she was running to the tack shop, but obviously she's, I could still hear her in my mic. So I could hear her be like, <laughs> like running. <laughs> so that, that was really fun. Um, that was really funny, but I'm trying to think of another Um what have I done? Oh, I've fallen off in the warm-ups at a few shows with Ollie, which is, is quite always entertaining for everyone else. <laughs> or at, um, I hope that you um I hope that you've got multiple pairs now of jumpers yeah, and oh, not ended up like the one at the pony yeah, club. <laughs> the pony club. Or I went to Marlton once and they had the the black surfacing and it was like lashing rain and I went and did my test and I had um on Bali and I remember doing the whole test and it was like torrential torrential rain and I halted and saluted and um the judge got out of the car well no she didn't get out of the car because it was raining so she beat the horn and made me walk around and I got to there and she's like you still have your your overreach boots on so I had done my whole test in the torrential rain for her to tell me that I was then eliminated and my score wasn't going to count because I had my overreach boots on. And of course, I came out and I was like, Dad, you didn't take my overreach boots off. Like, bleh, 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 bleh. And he was like, The sand's black. The overreach boots were black. Like, the pony's legs were black. I didn't see them. So, so yeah, that, that was embarrassing. But yeah, I have plenty, <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty of embarrassing stories. And um, the last one is your favorite best ad horse that you'd love to ride hmm. um I always quite I quite like looking at the ones at shows that if you see in the warm-up look completely different in the warm-up to what they look like in the ring and, and you sort of want to pat the back on the rider and think you know fair play because 10 minutes ago it did not look like that yeah. <laughs> um I'm trying to think of an example who who was like that? I think um, the stallion Apache that um, Audi is by, he, he's dead now. But the stories I hear about him, that he was a nut job in the stables. And sometimes like um, he was eliminated or taken out of the showground before he'd even competed because he was so badly behaved in the stables. I know. So I quite like to, to sit on him because obviously he, he did the job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah. Was, it, was it worth it? Like, I think 
And I went, I went to see, I went to Rotterdam, the Europeans in 2019 uh, with some friends and he was meant to be there, but obviously he got put down. And so I never got to see him. That was really sad, but, but yeah, he would be my one. Love, he sounds- love that, love that. Oh, Vicky, I've had so much fun um, recording this with you and getting to know you a bit more. And yeah, again, thank you so much for being so honest and inspiring. You know, like there's just there's so much value in everything that you have to say. And, you know, I think listeners will go away feeling motivated as well. Um, So if anybody wants to get in contact with you regarding anything, where can they find you? Um, I'm on Facebook. I have a dressage page. I think it's Vicky Campbell Dressage, not nothing too complicated. And I'm on Instagram as well as Vicky Campbell underscore dressage. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining me. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun.